As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder, back in our regular time slot, recording on a Thursday evening. I am Sam Stasekel. He is Paul Tenorio. Paul, what's up, dude? How you doing tonight? I always feel so much pressure at the beginning of our shows because occasionally we have people on Twitter that trash talk how boring our show is. And it's like, you definitely (laughs) just listen to like the first 10 seconds of Sam being like, Paul, how are you doing? And, And I always feel like I deliver flat. So hopefully this this was more... Well, you uh, sound really, really excited. You're super high energy right now. <laughs> Not at all flat. <laughs> Just killing it right out of the gate. Dang. Um, go. Please go. Come on. Come on, Mr. High Energy. I don't Mr. have high enough energy. energy. It's Thursday night. I've had a couple bourbons. Usually wow. when I have a couple bourbons, I bring the real energy to this show. So Sleepy we're time. Going to good, we're going to good places. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see where we, we end up on this journey. I promise that it will be a journey. Uh, speaking of journeys, let's start up in Montreal. Club de Foot was some major news earlier today. Uh, Thierry Henry will no longer be the coach of the club formerly known as The Impact. Uh, he is staying in England where he resides permanently for personal reasons, um, according to what the club announced and according to what he said in said announcements. Um, the Montreal and Toronto and Vancouver all had a really difficult situation last year where they were essentially forced to be in the U.S. for months on end, be away from their families. Henri didn't see his children, I don't think, for the better part of a year. Uh, because they remained over in England and weren't able to move to Montreal because of COVID. Essentially, it looks like that's going to happen at least for the first few months of the 2021 season. And Henri's, Henri hit a breaking point and wasn't able to, to continue to do that. Um, he's going to remain over there in England, um, be with his kids. Uh, so hopefully, you know, everything is good in, in his world and uh, can continue to be good. Um, this is happening. <laughs> Though, on the eve of preseason, you know, for Montreal, for Club de Foot, uh, they've made a decent number of moves. Most MLS teams haven't made very many moves. They've they've made a decent number of moves this offseason, and now they are going to have an even bigger move, uh, replacing their head coach. Uh, made the playoffs last year, barely squeaked in into the expanded field. I believe they were ninth in the Eastern Conference and lost to New England. They weren't particularly good under Henri. I would say I don't think anyone's going to think of him as this genius of a coach in his first year in Montreal. Um, I think the jury is still probably out on him as a manager in general. Uh, but, you know, it's difficult timing for sure for the club to go out and replace him. So, Paul, what, what do you see coming here? Um, it's an international team and it's a team that really is known for its volatility more than anything else. And we're certainly fitting into that with this news. Yeah, well, I think first of all, I think it, it calls attention to the difficulty of the season for Canadian players and and coaches and staff that had to be away from family for a long time and are going to have to be away from family again this season. And imagine not really having the choice that Thierry Henry had. 
to step away. Um, it's it's quite difficult to ask a player to opt out of his profession because he doesn't want to be away from his kids and his family for months at a time. But I can't imagine um, the mental strain that it puts on not just the players, but especially their families, their wives and their kids um, trying to get on without them for, for many months in the midst of a pandemic. So, you know, I think that this puts a big spotlight on that, especially because we're anticipating that all three Canadian teams will again be spending multiple months south of the border in the United States away from families once again. Um, and I think it's something we need to make sure we're talking about and thinking about when we look at the performances of those teams. And that doesn't even count the preseason. I mean, they're going to spend a month away from their families. I, I, Not just, all Toronto is doing preseason in Canada because you have to, right, you yeah. can't ask them to to yeah. spend. Well, Tor- weeks. Toronto is doing the Canadian Championship, right? So they actually have to because if they go down, then they return. They have to, they're all subject to quarantine again. So, um, yeah, I don't know exactly what the Whitecaps in Montreal are doing for preseason. I think they're going to try and maximize their time at home. I mean, I've heard talk that Toronto is looking to Florida to stage games. Maybe Orlando, maybe Tampa, maybe a little combination of the two. Um, Montreal, I don't think word has gotten out yet on, on where they're looking. They played in New York at Red Bull Arena for their quote unquote home games last year. Vancouver is going to be based in Salt Lake. Um, and, and this could be for a long time. This, this might not be for two months. This could be for four or five. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully it's shorter than that for everyone involved, but yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, and, and winning games is going to be difficult, more difficult than usual, because these are trying circumstances for these three clubs. Well, Sam, as you know, going back to your original question, what does Montreal do? You know, as the Montreal impact, maybe they, maybe they go domestically for an interim coach. But now they're, they're you think a so? Brand. That wasn't really their that wasn't really their move no, they when they got were the Wilmer Cabrera as an interim manager. Yeah, they, well, he know, was they, in, they, he they was interim. There. That was that was I after they hired saying, Remy Gard. All I'm saying is that now they let, are. Let us not club. forget. They are the Marco Schallibaum, the Swiss volcano. <laughs> let me get the Swiss volcano in, Paul. All I'm saying is now they're Club de Foot Montreal. They're a global brand. They're recognized around the world as the football club of Montreal. They're gonna go. They're gonna go international. You know, they're gonna wow. go international for sure. I don't see them hiring anyone with an MLS, and I think it's it, it really is. I would say near impossible to hire a domestic coach who's working right now. I would think maybe you could I mean, get you like could... Ben Olsen, but in Montreal, I don't see that happening. I think they're going to go with somebody who's, you know, most likely French speaking, most likely out of work right now and, and can step into the job immediately. Um, I wouldn't rule out Italian speaking just given the connections for the Saputo family. It's a very Italian city as well. Um, the Saputos own Montreal, they own Bologna as well. They're trying to build up that that sort of global network uh, between the two clubs. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see which way Olivier Renard, the sporting director, goes. Uh, in terms of like immediate fixes, they just brought Laurent Simon. He retired as a player. He is now an assistant coach for the club. Um, they have Patrice Bernier on staff as well. Uh, Wilfried Nancy, who's been with the club for, I think, many years. He, he did a lot of work in their academy, um, which has kind of been one of the shining lights of that entire organization for some time now. Um, so maybe he gets a, sh- a bite at the apple here to start. Uh, I think you're right, though, that they do go international. Although I will note, if they, if they want to go domestic and pluck an assistant who's at another club, they could do that. Uh, it might be a little more difficult, but, you know, think back to Colorado. And Robin Frazier, they did that midseason. That's it's something that can be done if they want it to be done. You know, we've talked about this a few times, kind of privately, Sam. But like, I don't even know who's the top assistant coach in MLS that would be a clear choice for a team like Montreal right now. You know, a job opening in in MLS. Well, you know, you see names get thrown around, right? And we can look at who got interviews over the, over the off season. Ezra Hendrickson would be one. Pat Noonan would be another. Gonzalo Pineda, right, would be another. He was reportedly very close to being DC United head coach. Uh, so, so those would be three just off the top of my head in terms of assistance. I'm trying to think of others. You know, <laughs> Dom Kinnear. Dom Kinnear, not, not currently employed 
I believe. Um, I don't expect them to go that. That would be very un-Montreal to hire any of those names. Uh, I think I think you're right that they'll go French speaker, international. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Renard's network is in Belgium. Maybe he taps into that. You know, DC United just hired a coach from the Belgian league uh, in Hernan Losada. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I like it's impossible to predict this club. I wrote a story almost two or a year and a half ago now. Just basically the the whole thrust of the piece. I went up to Montreal for it. The whole thrust of it was like, this club is wildly volatile. And they sit, they were telling me, they were like, Sam, Kevin Gilmore, the club president, he's like, yes, we have been wildly volatile. I'm new here. I'm trying to change this. And he has tried. And, and maybe maybe he has made it more stable in ways that you and I don't see, right? Maybe internally on the business side. I don't know. Um, but man... From the outside looking in, it's just like one thing after another. And this Henri thing is, you know, I'm not trying to bag on the club for it. This is out of their control. And uh, good for them for letting him go, right? Like, he needs to take care of his family. That's the most important thing. And and and, and so, this is not this is not the club's fault or anything like that. Uh, but it is a difficult situation and one that they're going to have to solve. I have no idea which way they're going to go at all. Like, it's like French-speaking foreign. Like, that's a guess. Like, what does that mean in terms of candidates? I don't know. So, I think, you know, before we, we move to other topics, I wonder the, the two or three biggest memories you have of Thierry Henry in MLS. Because I think the funny thing to me is the the, the number one is Roy Miller taking the free kick instead of Thierry Henry <laughs> against DC United. <laughs> and, oh. and then the other is the oh, highlight man. video of Henry screaming yes. at his players as a manager and just being so, no, so I, frustrated. I, I wasn't thinking of his time as a player when you asked that question until you mentioned Roy Miller. Um, so, like, initially I was going to say it's the video of him mic'd up and being like, Shamit, Shamit, can you pass Shemit one Shemay touch? and Roy Miller are connected to Thierry Henry's time in MLS. Can you pass one touch? And he's like, yes, coach, I can. And he's like, cool, then why don't you do it? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll miss that. I'll miss the sideline antics because he was like very visibly engaged. I would have loved to see that guy with a crowd roaring at his back because I think it would have been really entertaining. But like, you know, there's videos on Twitter of him like literally like standing in the coach's box trying to kick the ball. Like the ball is in the box and somebody on his team, Boyan or somebody else, it's it's like they should take a one-touch shot. And he does the motion with his leg and he's freaking out and he can't contain himself. Uh, and so, I'll miss that for sure. Um, and Thierry Henry's a legend, man. One of the greats all time. Uh, anytime your league can have someone like that kind of in its ecosystem or whatever you want to call it. Ecosystem, by the way, is such an overused word these days. I'm going to try and remove that from my vocabulary. In the orbit but, of MLS. It's, he exists in the MLS yeah. galaxy. Like, in any way. Well, Coach, yeah, but galaxy, alumni, then guess, LA galaxy. Yeah, I guess it's true. It's a whole thing. So, yeah, it, I think those are two great shouts. Uh, and the one where he scored the goal and celebrated by just, like, doing that pose on the post. The very French... Like, just, like, lean against the post, like, kind of, like, elbow cocked, like, look down at the ground, like, I am too good for this, and all of you. And it wasn't even a slight to MLS, it was just, like, on Thierry Henry, get out of my way, peasants, you know? Um, so, I'll miss that. I'll miss his attitude, because it was fun. What about you? you? You got Roy Miller in the video? You got anything uh, else? Obviously, I found a way to integrate a Costa Rican into this show by talking about Roy obviously. Miller. Obviously. <laughs> that was your agenda for Truly that question. Truly an amazing right? moment. <laughs> it was an amazing moment. Didn't he launch it into like like way over the bar? It wasn't even close, right? Absolutely incredible moment. Launched it over the crossbar by like a wide margin. Henri's look on his face because he didn't know that Roy Miller was, was going to take it. It was Henri's fault for letting him take it. He didn't let him take it. He stole it. They it doesn't matter. Up to take it, and Roy Miller ran and it kicked the ball. What? It was incredible. We need incredible. You need to interview incredible. Roy Miller about that moment. Like, uh, what I agree, was? I agree. What was going through his head? No, Sam. What happened? I, I actually had this idea to use availability with Henri this year to ask about that moment and to write a story about. <laughs> he that would moment. have. He would have been very upset with you. It's I think if you asked. So much harder to write that story now. Doesn't mean I'm not going to try. 
doesn't mean I'm not going to try. So. All right. You're, you've spoken it publicly now, so now you have to do it. That's how this yeah, works. Obviously, I, I when I talk about things on allocation disorder, it, it definitely puts them into action <laughs> in the real world. Uh, <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, do yourself a favor. Google Thierry Henry, Roy Miller. It was the very end of a playoff series. I think this was the Snow series, right? Yes, correct. Uh, against DC United, a, a game had to be delayed or postponed a day because there was snow in New Jersey. Don Garber was on the field shoveling. Um, that was also the the there was like the thing with Henri and Ben Olsen because Henri wanted the game to be, obviously be postponed because yeah. of the snow, and Ben Olsen was trying to have the game played because it would have like the same way because DC USA had Costa a lead. Yeah, yeah, it would have yeah, been yeah. easier. Yeah, Bill Hamid got a red card, I think. Then the, like then he went crazy on on Kyle Martini. <laughs> Martini, yeah. Exactly. Kyle Martino. He called him Kyle Martini. Um, anyway, it's one of the great playoff series in MLS history. And it ended with a free kick from a very dangerous position that would have tied it for the Red Bulls and Thierry Henry not taking it and Roy Miller taking it instead. Anyway, we've explained this way too much. We've spent like five minutes on Roy Miller. Did not think the show was going to go in that direction. Just Google it. Google it. There's like two people that listen to Allocation Disorder who don't know about the Roy Miller free kick moment. One of them you know, is like my mom. The Venn diagram. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Sam's mom. Okay. Hey, you're not allowed to say that. Um, in less happy news, <laughs> Jordan Morris. Uh, brutal, brutal news. Uh, over the weekend, he went down in Swansea's match. I think it was his fourth or fifth appearance in the championship um, while on loan from Seattle. Uh, and he tore his ACL or suffered major damage to his ACL. We can assume probably safely that it was a tear. This is, of course, um, not long since Morris tore the ACL in his other knee and missed an entire MLS season. Came back better than ever that time and turned himself into an MVP candidate. I think he finished fourth in MVP voting last year, best 11. Really was playing the best soccer of his career. Established himself as a firm, strong, regular member of the national team. Not necessarily a starter, but somebody who might start if there is an injury. And certainly one of the first subs off the bench if you need an attacker. Um and now his season, his 2021, is likely done before it even begins. Seattle are without one of their stars, uh, although they would have been without him for a while anyway while he was on his loan and maybe maybe beyond. Um, and, you know, I think the real story, there are a lot of stories here, but I think the real story here, Paul, is the human one. And Jordan Morris is 26. This This is probably, we're talking probably millions of dollars that he lost right there in that moment. Uh, you're probably talking dreams of a Premier League, you know, stint, probably over. Um, not to say he can't make money or he can't go on to have a really good career in MLS, um, but just brutal for the guy. Even before you take into account, this is the fact this this is the second time he did it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the end of his European Stint, not just Premier League. I, I don't think I don't think anyone. I, I think that's the end of the European idea for him, and that's unfortunate because he, you know, he he's kind of executed his career on his terms, and I've respected that about him. He stayed at Stanford all the way through. He chose Seattle instead of Werder Bremen. He came back from the first ACL and really transformed who he and was. He got as a criticized became, for those yeah, things. He got yeah. heavily criticized, not just in the moment. But way down the road yeah. by a former teammate, Jermaine, Jermaine Jones, Jones killing on him, yeah. Instagram Live, and when 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 Jordan Morris made this move, the number of Twitter replies I got on the story about it were almost all about Jermaine Jones and Jordan Morris's puppy. You know, like crazy. Um, and he goes over there with a the chance to to really make a difference in a club that has aspirations to get to the Premier League, and this happens. I didn't realize the stat was as high as it was of 20% of people who have suffered an ACL. Yeah, I didn't either. It's crazy. Um, suffered in the other. I'm married to somebody who has two ACL injuries. Me too. And so, Are we secretly you know, married like, to the same woman? Know that? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> well, that'd be weird. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, she was like, yeah, I mean, so I... I you know that I, I actually had a conversation with her about the mental toll of going through a rehabilitation a second time, and just how difficult it is. Because 
how much harder it is the second time because you know what's coming. You know, you know the difficulties that are there and that almost makes it tougher to stomach at the beginning when you're kind of going in blind. So I feel for Jordan Morris, especially too, man, this is such a big year for him. He made that move to England, World Cup qualifiers in the fall, you know, a World Cup in 2022. He's got time to get try to get back into form and get back onto the roster for the yeah, World Cup. But the, the late start, really, the winner's start for the World Cup will help him, but it's tough. And and Sam, I wonder your perspective. You know, MLS does have a function in place for a season-ending injury, but it doesn't it's nothing. provide much relief. Sam, no. do you think that there are alternatives to the way MLS handles these types of injuries, or do you think it has to do it this way because otherwise teams would take advantage of a season-ending injury? I mean, it doesn't have to do it this way. It can do it any way it wants, right? It's MLS. does does what it wants always. Um, do you think there? What would you do? I don't do you have a. Pro- I don't have a problem with it being like this. Honestly, like injuries are a part of sports. They're a part of assembling teams. Um, and I think if you go out and you say, okay, instead of two hundred fifty thousand dollars in in relief, you can have a million dollars in relief, or you know, you can have whatever the guy, of the players, whatever the guy's budget it. You can you can replace it right, or his salary. You can replace it all the way. I think that could lead, I mean, I think that that could lead to be, some bad outcomes, right? Because then you're, that's when you're buying desperate, right? And that's when things get a little bit crazy. Um, and also it's like, you know, this is part of the game. People get hurt and teams have to deal with it. Um, I don't have a problem with how MLS structures it now. Do you? No, I agree with you. I don't think there's really a big alternative because you also can't, in the example here with Jordan Morris, he's going to make a million and a half dollars next year in Major League Soccer. If they had, they they really can't use a million and a half to replace him because of the structure of the salary cap. It's 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 very difficult because Jordan Morris will be back next year, and that full cap hit will be back. And so you have to structure your roster build around Jordan Morris. Yeah, number. unless unless you're getting a guy on loan, there's no real way to do it. No, and so it. It, it becomes a little bit difficult and, and a bit tricky here for Seattle and how they think about replacing Jordan Moore. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how they were going to do it when he was on loan, you know, and I and I don't really I know how they they're going to do it now. They were waiting. I think they were going to go with like a veteran MLS guy, maybe move Brad Smith to winger for the first half of the year. It was helped by the late start. And then they could make a decision based on how sure. Jordan does. Yeah, maybe he, maybe he'd be back May fifteenth, miss a month, and he, you, or maybe you're fine. he won't be back. And then you know what's going to happen, right? Sure. And and so now it gets a lot tougher because you have to replace him for the whole season, but you also know he's going to be back next year, and that changes well, the dynamic completely. I have a suggestion. And I think you're going to you like it. What do you got? You, you said know. you said Brad Smith move him up the field. Forget oh, that, no. dude. Brad Smith, <laughs> left back. Move Nuhu up there, dude. Let him get his goal. Let him do it. It's what he was born to do. Let him score. Let him take guys on. I can't believe it's taken this long to get to the point. Me either. I'm, honest, I'm a little bit ashamed. I can't believe it either. But let, I mean, what's the saying for the Seahawks? Let Russ cook, right? Let Nuhu cook. Maybe that's going to be a saying for the Bears. This isn't an NFL podcast, but go Bears. <laughs> Nuhu is more like, I feel like beast mode than let Russ cook, you know? Yeah, you're if right. We're going to Seattle. You're right. He's putting out more Marshawn vibes than, than Russ vibes. You're right. And you know what? Like, like Marshawn would have kicked that Dos Equis can when it got thrown at him at Bank of California Stadium too. Volleyed it right out of the air. I mean... I'm not wrong. So anyway, Seattle have they, it's a major issue for them. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe we see a change in system. Maybe, maybe they go two forwards with with Bruin and Reed. Yes, um, that wouldn't they have shock options, me. Though they do have options in the short term. They can move Brad Smith up. He has played winger. You lose some offensive production. You can go two up top. They could go sign Miguel Ibarra. I think is still a free agent who spent time in Seattle last year. They could go re-sign right. him on a number. But, I mean, they they can do some things, but but. You know, it's it's just they they lost guys from that team last year already. Gustav Svensson's gone, Kelvin Leardom's gone. But they're they're both still free agents. I mean, they could go back to those guys. The question is, can you get them at the right I number? I mean, they because- they still don't have much money. They re-signed Kellen Rowe or they signed Kellen Rowe, right? 
And like, if you're talking 250,000 in cap relief, that's probably a 250,000 ish signing, I would guess. And, and, And so like that really eats that up right there. And then you're still in a tough cap spot. So I don't think they have a lot of wiggle room here. They'd be fortunate if they can convert. If Kellen Rose under 250 and they can convert him into the salary cap relief player, it puts them in a pretty good spot, I think, because that's about maximizing 250000 in MLS right there. I'll bet you a dollar that they do it. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense if he's on that number. I'll bet you 250000 No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a tough spot for them. I don't envy Seattle. I feel really, really bad for Jordan Morris. Where do you no. think it leaves the Sounders in the West? I don't think it. I don't think it drops them too low because I. I still think. Look, look around the West, man, and tell me. I get it. Winger is an important position. Jordan Morris was super important to that team last year. You still have Nico Lodero. You still have Raúl Ruiz Diaz, who you know, who will probably be gone for the Copa America for a month plus. Just I FYI. still I still like them to make the playoffs. I still like them to challenge in the West. I still think that Seattle will make a signing in the summer. That's going to add offensive production. That's my prediction, and I think they're. I think that they're still a top five team in Major League Soccer next year. I do think there's going to be a rough start to the mm, season. I'm not there's sure that's true, a rough man. Start to the season. I mean, like Leardom, Svensson, Morris, all gone. Those are three starters, right? And Morris was a best eleven player last year. That's a ton. And and Seattle were really effective on the break last season, right? And that's pretty much all Morris. They don't have somebody that can replace him in that way at all. Um, that's not so true. I think you just said somebody that can replace the pay, the pace. New, the it's break. not going to be new. Who? It's not going to be new. Who? Why? All right, I love him. Don't, Let's be serious. You're saying no to new who right now, and it hurts me. It hurts your brand. Actually, yeah, you're right. Edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a realistic solution. It's not a realistic solution. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I don't know where to leave Seattle in the West. I mean, what, they finished second last year in the regular season. Last year was a weird regular season. I think I would put Portland ahead of them in my power rankings right now. LAFC, I would put ahead of them. Uh, Kansas City, probably. Um you know, we'll see. Kansas City could go either way a little bit there. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know. I think I think they're going to take a real hit from this. I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but I think they're going to take a real hit. I don't think they're going to be as good as they were in previous seasons. I don't think that's out, an outlandish statement. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Yeah, you're really out there on a limb. I, I mean, they're not going to be as good as they were last year. We can, I think we can say that pretty definitively. Or the year before. Or the year Wednesday. before. Until and unless they sign somebody in the summer. Or hey, maybe they sign Young we'll Money and they, they hit Young Money on the freaking nose. It's a $150,000 young, young cap, cap hit. And the Young Money player is a winger. And he goes crazy nuts in MLS. And he gets sold for Almiron money like every wow. Young Money player will. Oh my, oh, my God. And things will go nuts. It's, it's the dream. Um, on that note of dreams, let's take a quick little break. We'll come back afterwards with some Olympics talk and some talk about how other MLS teams are approaching their off seasons, including Atlanta and the biggest remaining needs for teams in this kind of slow market this winter. Uh, Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back. Allocation disorder. Paul Tenorio was just putting a piece of trash in his mouth during the break. I don't know what's going on. Um, It's a little bit of a weird show. We've been talking New Who and Roy Miller, and now Paul's eating trash. Uh, You want to explain yourself? 
No, I don't. It's my daughter. I don't want to explain myself. All right. There you have it. Trash eater Tenorio. Uh, Moving on. He doesn't even want to explain himself. So he's just going to let me set that narrative for him. Dangerous game. It's a dangerous game, Paul. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Um, Other news this week (laughs) that we can get to. uh, CONCACAF released the Olympic provisional rosters. Uh, for all eight teams that are going to be participating in the Olympic qualifying tournament down in Guadalajara next month. The U.S. list is out. It's 48 names deep. The Olympics are normally a U23 tournament. They were, of course, supposed to happen last summer. They got delayed because of COVID. Because of that, they converted them to a U24 tournament. Um, So players that were born on or after January 1st, 1997 are eligible Listeners of this show will know that most of the exciting young American stars were born after January 1st, 1997, and basically none of them are on this provisional roster. The Olympics are not like other international dates. FIFA does not require clubs to release players. Uh, The Olympic qualifying tournament does not come in a FIFA window for the most part, the very end of it does, but so clubs are not obligated to release anyone. So those guys that are over in Europe and contributing for their teams in their domestic leagues and the champions league and the Europa league, et cetera, um, are not on the list because they wouldn't be released. Uh, and that's not who head coach Jason Christ has to play with. So it's a very MLS heavy roster with a few European guys who haven't really broken through with their first teams and a couple of guys in Mexico and in Brazil, uh, I went deep on this roster earlier this week. It's not going to include the Christian Pulisics, Tyler Adams, Gio Reyna, Weston McKenney, etc. Um, but there is some talent in this group, and the U.S. really should qualify <laughs> for the Olympics for the first time since 2008. All they got to do is finish top two in their group and then win their semifinal, and they're in. Uh, and that's the path. Paul, thoughts on the roster? Um, names that you thought would be on it that weren't? Names that you thought would wouldn't be on it the war uh, and what do you think of the group as all yeah i mean i think one big thing to point out here sam is you pointed out the big names pulisic mckenny adams reina that aren't going to be on this roster and probably not going to be on the olympic roster if they do qualify but for this tournament there's also a whole host of names on the next tier down that aren't going to be here either right sergeant Weya, um aronson mckenny a whole group of players in Aronson, Europe. Aronson was, is on the roster. Sorry, he's on the provisional roster. He's not going to be, likely not going to be on this now. We'll see. They did get eliminated from Europa League today. He's, he's got an American coach. Up. Who knows? Yeah, but I, I think realistically, there, we're looking at kind of the, the helped by MLS starting so late. It's going to be a very MLS ro- heavy roster, as you said. And I think you're right, though. This is a roster still, despite that, that very much should, should qualify out of this tournament. They're helped, in my opinion, by the fact that they're in a group with Mexico, which means that... 100%. You know, it's counterintuitive, they, they will, but absolutely they helpful. face Mexico in the semifinal, which is the most important game. Now, they're also in a group with Costa Rica. So, you know, I will, you know, I'm just going to put this out here right now. Costa Rica's senior team is in a weak spot right now. Their Olympic team is as strong as it's been in a while. They have a very good young crop of players coming through the Costa Rican domestic give us, league right give now. Give us the scouting report. It's it's a good team. And you'll see some of these players, these young players, starring right now for Alahuelense against Atlanta United in Champions League for uh, Heredia. For Saprisa, some some very good young players coming through in Costa Rica right now. Some who are based overseas, who we you know I think would will be expected to be at this tournament. So it's not going to be easy, and it and it hasn't been for the U.S. and it's it's really impacted the senior team cycle in the last World Cup. We saw kind of a uh, harbinger. Is that do I say that right? Did I pronounce that right? No, I, I read the word a lot, but I don't ever say it. <laughs> I think it's harbinger. Yeah, Harbinger. <laughs> Definitely edit that out. Leave no, um, don't edit that. Come on. <laughs> but I I think that it is um you know that that was a you could diagnose the problem with the US pool based on the struggles in the Olympic team. When you look at this roster, the weaknesses aren't there that were there in the last two squads. The biggest weakness for me, Sam, goalkeeper 
But outside of that, I think this is a pretty solid squad. And actually, maybe the number nine with this group because of some of the guys who didn't get called up. Mm. Biggest surprise for me, Ayo Akinola not being here. Health issues held him out. But I think goalkeeper is kind of a problem with this team. And I, I really am not... I, Striker? I'm a fan of Jeremy Obobase, but I would like to see... There's not a a guy who has proven to be... Jeremy Obobese is the best goal goal scorer on this on this roster. And what, I, what more do you want out of Jeremy Obobese on a U20? The, the dude barely plays striker for Portland. Uh, when he does, he normally plays on the wing. Um, but when he does play striker for the Timbers, he's been very effective and productive. He's a beast in the air. He's pretty good with his movement. Is he the cleanest player of all time? No. Um, but he is, he's effective and is productive and his per 90 stats are really good. So I'm kind of confused. And Jesus Ferreira has shown with the full team that he can play that false nine and be very productive. Yeah, um, he's been good I, in two I don't know. When I, I agree with you on goalkeeper. I very much disagree with you on striker. And I would look at right wing as the position, the other position that's kind of weaker in this pool. I, I like maybe, you know, maybe the thought would be that Bobasi would start out there. But I asked Jason Christ, I'm, I said, where do you see him? And he's like, absolutely a number nine. And he just watched him for three, four weeks in January camp, up close and personal. And, and he said, absolutely number nine. Jason Christ himself, a former striker of some renown in MLS. Sam, the, the thing that surprised me most in your article, because you and I both talked about the right wing position and questions of who the heck is going to play there for this team, considering who is and who's not coming. Benji Michelle's numbers, production wise, for Orlando City was yeah, surprisingly good. good for me. Very Ten good. goals and three assists in eighteen hundred minutes, pretty good. No joke. I, I don't know. I mean, again, I I look at this roster and I think they absolutely should be coming out of the group. They absolutely should be qualifying for the Olympics. the The amount of experience on this team stands out to me. Jackson Yule has been a starter who with senior national team minutes. Miles Robinson has been a starter for multiple se- seasons, has had senior national team call-ups. Sam Vines played very well as a regular starter last I'm year a, for the I'm Colorado a big Rapids. Sam Vines guy, by the way. Yeah. I mean Aaron all, Herrera, very experienced. Exactly. It, that that ex- Jeremy Bobase, very experienced as a mm-hmm. professional now for multiple seasons. I mean, Jonathan like pretty Lewis. much all of these guys are. Yeah, it's a game changer to me, and I think I think for sure we should be talking about the potential of this Olympic team, and especially if they do qualify, because some of those players that you say were left out, I could see them taking part. In an interview with me, Tim Weah talked about how much he wants to play for the Olympic team. I was at a roundtable where Tyler Adams, a couple years ago, said playing in the Olympics was a big career goal of his. You know, it would be really cool to see a U.S. team with a couple of those guys in Japan if they can qualify. It's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, what what would be cooler for an athlete than playing in the Olympics? Like very, very few things. I know it's a U24 tournament for men's soccer, but it's still a really like walking in the opening ceremony, being in the Olympic Village. Like that's once in a lifetime stuff. It would be very, very cool. And for a soccer player, it's unique. Um, and apart from playing and going far to World Cup, there would probably be few experiences you would rank ahead of it as a, as a U.S. national team player. So I, I would, I mean, if I was a player, I would want to play at the Olympics. Um, so I am curious. I asked Jason Christ, I said, hey, is this roster, if you guys qualify, you know, is it going to, is it going to look the same? Do you, do you anticipate a lot of changes? European teams will be in their off season when the Olympic tournament starts. So maybe some of these squads will be more likely to release their players and i sort of expected him to be like ah you know we're not worried about that right now we're just trying to qualify yada 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 but he wasn't he said it could change significantly it very well could and this is a quote and i would say as the coach of this group i would love it to i mean right wouldn't it be exciting to see our very very best roster and lineup put together for the olympics that would be exciting but I also think it's probably unrealistic. So, <laughs> you know, a little bit of hope and then a little bit down back to earth. Um, but it would be interesting. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw one or two of those guys, if if they do make it to Tokyo. Um, I also wouldn't be shocked if we saw an overage player or two. You are allowed to bring up to three overage players to the Olympics. We've talked about this before, I think, on this show. But let's do it again. Why not? Who cares? We're having fun. Who would you bring overage player? 
Well, there has to be a goalkeeper over age. And Sam, you and I have debated this before. We we couldn't remember earlier if we did on this podcast, <laughs> which is personal phone calls, which is pro- probably like 80% of this show for me. I'm like, did I yell at Sam about that when we were talking the other day or when we were recording the other day? Um, I, you know, I've been thinking about it and I, I think the goalkeeper you bring is Ethan Horvath. He's got senior you changed your mind. experience. I did. I changed my mind because, because we have to think again, as you mentioned earlier in the show, you're not required to release a player. So if Sean Johnson, who's a very well-respected veteran in the locker room, very well-liked by Greg Berhalter, isn't available if NYCFC is not willing to release him as a starting goalkeeper. And, and why would they be? Why? And, you know, where do you look? Well, Ethan Horvath has senior national team experience. He has Champions League experience. And he's not the starter for his club. He could very well be released to a tournament like the Olympics. Um you know, he makes sense for me as an option. Those are my two guys, Sean Johnson, Ethan Horvath. Those are the first two calls if I'm Jason Craig. You're calling both of them? No, those are those are the guys I start with. Right? Okay. Because okay. you, you, again, you're taking shots on 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 a overage player to see whether or not the club will release them. Mm-hmm. I would I would call Horvath for sure. Um, he's not overage by much, by the way. Um, so, you know, he's pretty close. Um you know, this is an, another player that probably wouldn't be released by his club, but this is just off the top of my head here. And this is a guy that just missed the deadline by less than a year, I believe. Chris Mueller has shown well. The senior national team has done well in Orlando in the last year of his contract. So I don't really see Orlando letting him go. Um, but it uh, could be an intriguing option, particularly on the wing in a position that you might need some help in, uh, depending on who's available. We have, we've gotten this far. We haven't even mentioned Efra Alvarez, LA galaxy. This is wild. I don't think I've ever heard of this happening before ever in any international soccer competition. He got called by two different teams to the same competition. He got called by the U S of course, and by Mexico. He has played for both teams in the past. Uh, the U S in friendlies only he's played for Mexico in official youth competitions. If he goes with Mexico, to the Olympic qualifiers, he would preserve his ability to make a one-time switch to the U.S. If he goes with the U.S., that's it. He's committed to the U.S. for his whole international future. So that's a, that's a pretty interesting one for him. I don't know. I don't really expect him to go to the U.S. at this point. Um, Greg Berhalter and Jason Grace both really like him. They think he's he brings something unique. Uh, to the player pool in terms of his skill set. For those who don't know, he's he's an attacking player for the LA Galaxy, 18 years old. He hasn't really broken through in MLS yet, despite getting a decent chunk of minutes. He hasn't really produced all that much, but he's clearly got a good deal of talent. Um, but if he went to the US, he'd be committing. And I don't know if he's... I mean, I don't know. This is just me guessing, but I don't know if he's ready to make that commitment yet. So we'll see. Um, but even if he goes with Mexico, that's not ruling out the U.S. for the future. And, and Christ essentially said that. And he's like, this isn't a decision for the Olympic qualifying or the even the Olympics. This is a decision where he wants to play with a full national team. And if he doesn't want to make that now, that's fine. Um, so that's that's where that lies. Um, but that's an interesting one, too. Are there any names on this that sort of jumped out at you as, as like ones for the future that might get a call up and might get a chance despite being young players and, and maybe could pop? Yeah, I mean, I think there's one clear one for me is Caden Clark. You know, very inexperienced as a professional, never been called in with a national team, a youth national team, at least I don't think for 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 playing in a in a tournament. Certainly not. Um, He's been called in a couple of times to camps. I think to camps, it, yeah. correct. Um, he would be making a big jump up to the U23 team, but I think he's shown enough potential that he could be somebody who is involved. He can play centrally. He can play as a winger. That's important in this tournament. Only 20 players selected for this tournament, which makes versatility really important. So I think he he stands out to me as maybe the most obvious as a really young player who would be eligible, you know, even for the next Olympic games. Um I, I he yeah, he he for me is the clear one here. Sam, is there is there someone else who stands out to you as an option? Um Tanner Tessman, I would say. He's a little bit older. He's 19. Clark is 17. So a little bit extra, a couple extra years there. Um, but he stands out. Uh, I actually think he'll make this team. We saw him get a cameo in the Trinidad and Tobago beatdown that the full national team put on. Uh, 
about a month ago now. So yeah, FC Dallas homegrown. Um, I think I think we'll see him on there. I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see what happens with Willie Yanez. You know, he's a player that's gotten a lot of hype. Um, has had a hard time over in Holland over these last six seven months. He's actually back home in California uh, now. Uh, he was on loan to here in Wien in Holland from Wolfsburg his German club and, and they just let him go back to California. So curious to see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, th- I think Tessman and Clark are kind of the ones for me um, in, in terms of the, the younger cohort that, that could impress. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this tournament plays out. They're, they're traveling down to Guadalajara on Sunday. Christ is taking a group of 25 or 26. He wasn't exactly sure guys, Pretty much all MLS guys, except for one European-based player, who could be Giannis, could be Sebastian Soto, could be Chris Gloucester, could be a number of different players. Um, we'll eventually find that out. So, they'll start a training camp down there, and then the tournament kicks off USA-Costa Rica on March 18th down there in Jalisco in Mexico. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. Moving on. We've got some MLS moves to talk about, Paul. It's been a while since we talked about roster stuff. I guess we talked about Cincinnati. A couple of weeks ago. Um, but let's talk about Atlanta for a second. Gabriel Heinze in as manager. Uh, he's bringing in his guys. I don't really know exactly how they're spending all of this money. I guess young money is helping because they apparently have used all three of their spots already, <laughs> according to some of my reporting, according to some of Felipe Cardenas's reporting. Um, they've brought in Lisandra Lopez, Santiago Sosa, Ronald Hernandez, Franco Ibarra, um, and then some other players as well, kind of draftees, less homegrowns. Um, and then Eric Lopez, who was signed last summer, but not eligible to play in MLS because he was a young money player and they didn't have room for him on the cap, to go along with Marcelino Moreno, a DP that they signed last summer as well. So a lot of changes for Atlanta. Franco Escobar, Eric Rometty, and Fernando Meza are all out. Um, and those are kind of the biggest departures so far this winter. So a lot of changes for Atlanta. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it feels like almost a total rebuild in some ways. I mean, Jeff Laurentowitz also out, you know, out of contract at the end of last season. End of an era. Edgar Castillo, another veteran who was on the team. Some younger players who didn't really feature a ton kind of got moved out as well, homegrowns. So you're you're rebuilding the reserve roster, supplemental roster as well. Um, I just think it's indicative of how much work this roster had to do. I, I, I don't think Atlanta United is probably even done. 
I, I imagine, Sam, to your point with these signings, like they're probably up against the cap a little bit. I would imagine we probably will see one or maybe two more cap related moves. But this this feels like a rebuild in a lot of ways. Um, rebuild has a real negative connotation. They like needed a, to rebuild. They were bad. Last yeah, year. they were. They were. But it's it like rebuild usually implies that it's going to take some time. That's not the idea here. I don't think. No, I would agree with that. Though I would again, we talk about these young money players, and they need time. So it's not like they they signed one one DP and one definitely older veteran player and Lisandro Lopez. <laughs> um, but not a lot of like, Hey guys that should step in and be impactful right off the bat. Well, right? I mean, Santiago Sosa, he doesn't have much experience. They paid a lot of money for that guy. Yeah. But again, this is what we're talking about. Young money. He's got no, ex- like almost no experience as a professional. What, what can we really expect? And, and I, I just don't understand how they can count on him. In any real way. I mean, who, like, who knows, Paul? They could be hopeful. He might be a home run signing. He might be. They, what are they the might odds, have, though? They might have, not, they might have knocked the that one out of the... They might have knocked that Sosa signing out of the park. Let's look at the range of possibilities in Atlanta alone, right? He's going to put some Albie real Ron cork in the midfield. There's Barco, you know? There's Albiron and there's Barco. Like money doesn't matter sometimes when you talk. Will about you please acknowledge my Sammy Sosa home run jokes? No, I'm leaving them all alone. <laughs> I'm leaving them all alone. All of them. I just wanted to know that you got them. You weren't even indicating that you understood what I was doing. Because I don't want to encourage you, Sam. Well, especially after you abandoned New Who earlier in this show, you don't deserve <laughs> that level of respect. You're right. Anymore. You're right. You're right. I deserve discouragement. You're right. I'm gonna mute myself now. I just think I, I I think it's really interesting what's happening in Atlanta. In part, Sam, because you look around the rest of the league, and we're about to go into the rest of the league. Besides Austin, no one's really doing anything. No one's doing anything. Austin and God bless Cincinnati. I guess <laughs> the team of our dreams, FC Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> it's what we all predicted. Uh, yeah, it's been a really quiet off season, and Chicago Fire. They've signed a few guys. I know a lot of it was in the fall, but again, I mean, guys we don't really know enough about. Yeah. Espinoza is probably the biggest they're, name. They're, I mean, their biggest signing isn't coming for another year. You know, like yeah, I, it's been a very quiet offseason. COVID, COVID impacted Columbus Crew have been very active within the league. Yeah. I think yeah. Columbus Crew have probably been the most active. The MLS Cup champions. They they brought in Bradley Wright Phillips. They traded for Evan Bush, good depth at goalkeeper. Kevin, Kevin Molino, Molino bearing the lead, my man. Them. Marlon Harrison, um, according to Jeff Reuter, coming in. Marlon here. Harrison, according to Jeff Reuter. So, you know, I, I'll give credit to them bolstering that MLS Cup winning roster, right? To 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 bring in some guys who could really help them off the bat. I think. No, uh, Kevin I, Molino, I rate very highly. I think I think there are a lot of moves moves left to come, and, and let's talk about that here for a second. Um, I'm. Looking at a few clubs, big clubs that have big holes. Toronto FC still have that third DP spot available. And this is where young money is going to come into play. And I, I can't remember if we talked about this. I think we did. Uh, they have two senior DPs who cannot be bought down with TAM. If they add a third, that means they only get one young money signing. Uh, and the player that they've been linked to, Santos Bar- Bore from River Plate, he, he's 25, so he's overage. And he wouldn't be cheap, right? So when they're deciding, okay, do we want to go forward with a signing? They need to think about the U22 initiative and whether or not they can do it or not. It's a, it's another wrinkle. What a great, great, great indication of why this young money rule is imperfect. Beyond the fact that these players are going to need time to produce, beyond the fact that it's going to be harder to hit on these signings, it also discourages the highest spending teams from getting the best players that they can get because of age. Totally arbitrary, totally stupid that Toronto is turning down a player that they've done or or hesitating. We don't, we to don't sign know. We don't know that they're turning him down. At least hesitating, have to consider the idea of of saying no to a player that they that they think can be very good in MLS that they've done due diligence on because he'll be a third player. That's older than the age of 22. 
DP older than the age of 22, and thus they will be at a disadvantage by signing him. Stupid, dumb, MLS still being run by owners who are afraid of being outspent, who are afraid of having to spend to keep up. Stupid, (laughs) dumb. (laughs) Do you think it's stupid and dumb? (laughs) Stupid. We need that. We need that clip cut, just so we can use it, like on Twitter or something. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Uh, I can't disagree. Like the point that you made of MLS being run parody league and and constrained by the lower the owners that want to lower costs and keep them low and keep them constrained. Yeah, that's one hundred percent what that rule is. Um, so it's something Toronto have to consider. New York City FC, Paul. What's going on here? They have two open DP spots. We haven't heard really any any rumors out of that club. It's typically a club that isn't very leaky. Um, they often, you know, they often move in silence, NYCFC. Um, so that's not super unusual, but I'm very curious to see what's going on there because that that team's direction has changed a few times, right? You started off with David Villa, Andrea Pirlo, uh, Frank Lampard, right? Old, big, big, big name, biggest names expensive designated players one who became the mvp of the league yeah and two who were disasters i think it's fair to say (laughs) um but one who became mvp and then and then the two disasters left and they replaced them with maxi morales and jesus medina and then eventually alexandru matriza who's now on loan in saudi arabia um totally different model matriza was expensive eight and a half million Reportedly, I think I reported that. Pretty sure. Um, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's a long time ago. Uh, eight and a half million dollars. That's a big transfer fee. He has. He didn't really pan out during his time in New York City FC. Talented, but didn't really pan out. Maxi Morales has been good, um, but lower profile. Certainly not expensive. Um, and Medina is sort of like mid tier in terms of cost. Younger guy. Again, not not a ton of production for a designated player. So. I'm curious to see where this club goes and what their strategy is moving forward here and how much money they're going to be willing to spend. I I would guess it's probably more of the same. Yeah, I mean, I think, Sam, we've talked about this before with Young Money that NYCFC is in a better position than most teams in MLS to take advantage of this rule. They actually pay a lot of money, City Football Group, for scouts to do this. Most MLS teams have not invested enough in infrastructure to take advantage of the young money rule as effectively as they... Turns out CFG has an entire global network of dozens and dozens of scouts. Yeah. Right. So they should be able to hit at a higher rate than every other MLS team. Every other MLS team. Yeah. And so I would expect them to be active on the, the young money front. I would expect them to sign one older DP, one younger DP when they fill these DP slots so that they can maximize the young money. But I agree with you. I don't think they're going back ever to the big star model. I think that they're going to continue to look for... Um, I wouldn't for say DPs ever. ...kind of in their prime. Maybe, sorry, with the one exception of Messi, who absolutely is going to end up playing for NYCFC after signing like a long-term contract with City Football. Group. I mean, you're just going to throw Inter-Miami out of the mix like that, yes, huh? Yes, I'm throwing them out of the mix. There's no way they can compete with City Football Group money. Did you see Messi's contract? It's incomprehensible. Okay, so take that and then Can imagine you explain what it to Inter the Miami listeners that offer. didn't see it. Messi made more than a hundred million dollars annually for Barcelona. Okay, that is money that is absurd to the nth degree forever and anyone in global soccer. Right, like he's that contract has has contributed to bankrupting Barcelona. And by the way, he's earned every penny of it. He deserves it all. He is worth he's- every dollar. He is the man. Every dollar. But when he signs his next contract, and then when he signs his next contract after that, we're not talking about $10 million. We're not talking about that. It's not real. You, If you want to sign Messi, you've got to put a package together that's going to pay him definitely north of $20 million annually over the life of the deal, whatever it may be. And there's really there are owners in MLS capable of spending that money. Anschutz can spell that, spend that money. The Hunts just uh, Maple, gave Patrick Mahomes a $500 million contract. There are people who can spend that money. But there are only a few owners in MLS who will. 
And there are only a few owners who are able to do it in a way that won't blow up Major League Soccer's model to a certain extent and won't necessitate some sort of Beckham-like clause. I mean, which that won't ever happen again. That's what there I was going to say. Uh, maybe it, it wouldn't that. be it wouldn't be an expansion clause again, but maybe maybe it's a percentage stake of CFG or NYCFC or something That's like that. That's why it will happen with CFG because they will put together a three or four or five year deal. First two years at Manchester City, next two or three years at NYCFC, and and on the back end he gets, I don't know, a, a messy institute in every city where there's a CFG team or. They agree to buy Newell's old boys, and he's going to be the president and owner of Newell's as a city football group team or something to that effect. They can be put cool. together the most attractive part uh, contract for Messi, and it, I don't think it's close. Uh, I can't really disagree with that, like at all. Maybe PSG could get in that mix, but yeah, I think I think Man City and CFG would have some advantages there. Anyway, I don't even remember. What were we talking about? NYCFC. Um, I would say that the one time they would go back to that star model, even if they don't get messy, would be if they ever get the stadium done and open it up and for that first year. It, it, which Messi Messi gets them the stadium. If they sign him next this yeah. summer to a deal going to Manchester City is, and is they he say going, he's coming to New is York. Is he going in two to NYC City Council meetings? Like I, No, I don't but know. if you if you can tell New York City people, hey, we just signed Messi, he's coming to New York in two years, three years. We need to get a stadium ready for this. It helps it. I do think it helps that that process happen. It won't be done in two or three years regardless. So, you know, anyway. Hey, the training facility wasn't done for Wayne Rooney either, but it still happened, you know? <laughs> uh, and it was all Rebecca Vardy's fault. Um, <laughs> we've talked about TFC. We've talked about New York City DPs. Other big remaining needs out there that are sort of glaring in your mind. Give me one. Ooh, I think Seattle Sounders, we touched on that earlier in the show with a winger. They certainly need to to make a signing there. Uh, LA Galaxy, need a center back badly, need a winger badly. Need, need a Christian Pavone, perhaps. Yeah, if, if they don't finish the Pavone deal, if they don't get it across the finish line, I hope they have a plan B because they need somebody in that role who can produce and who can provide service to Chicharito. But they also still very badly need a center back. So that... that those two signings for me, I think, are are kind of top of the list of like impacting a team one way or the other if they make them or if they don't. I think that's Does fair. That make sense. Yeah. Who else do you have? Uh, Minnesota needs a striker. Um, the Red Bulls need a striker still. They just signed a guy from Brazil, the second division, who's very young and pretty inexperienced. So I don't know that you can count on him to be huge. They also have kind of a situation going with Kaku right now, who is playing in Saudi Arabia now. Uh, he got a provisional international transfer certificate over there, so he is eligible. Uh, that fight is ongoing. I think it's safe to say he's never going to play for the Red Bulls again. Uh, it's just a question of whether or not the Red Bulls are going to be compensated for losing him or not. Um, they need to replace him. You know, that's a designated player, a guy who, you know, showed excellently in his first half season in New York and not so much afterwards. Uh, so, so that's, that's a need. Those are kind of the ones that, that are glaring, I think for me, for, for some of the bigger teams. I mean, I'm curious to see where Miami goes. <laughs> they, you know, they signed this guy Gregory out of Brazil and, and that seems to be a pretty well-regarded player. Uh, it's a guy that Chris Henderson has been tracking for years um, from Seattle, and now he gets him down in Miami. They also signed Richard Shawcross, who's played a minimal number of games for Stoke in the championship the last two seasons, is very advanced in age, has lived his entire life in Northwest England. Uh, doesn't seem like a recipe for success for playing in the heat of South Florida in the summer. I don't think he'll be the last signing of that kind. So we've got like a very, very Florida roster being assembled down there, right? Where it's like a bunch of young Latin guys and then like a bunch of like, you know, pale older white dudes who are going to have some bad sunburns. Vacationing England, English players. Yeah, the vacationing English and the Latin Americans. I experienced a lot of that living in Orlando while I was there. Um, yeah, should be very interesting to see what Miami does. Hey, another team that we should be talking about is that's not finished being put together, Austin FC. I, I think they still have some work to do. 
on that expansion roster. Um, but, you know, I, I'm really intrigued to see how that team comes together as well. Yeah, definitely some work left to do in Austin F- at Austin FC. They ha- they do have a designated player spot open still. Uh, we didn't mention this in our NYCFC discussion, but Alex Ring down there, um, that's another player that NYCFC, you know, need to produce, their, replace their captain, in fact. Um, so more work to do in Austin, more work to do in New York, more work to do in any many, many places around the league. There is not more work to do on this episode of Allocation Disorder. That's all for us tonight, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. On behalf of Nuhu and Roy Miller, I am Sam Stasekul. He is Paul Tenorio. Until next week. 